Welcome back, Bulls Nation, to Nothing But Bull Podcast. I'm your host, Derek, and of course, I'm here with my main man, Justin. Justin, what's up? What's going on? Man, we've been waiting since the last episode for the Bulls to make a trade to get Laurie Marketing off his team. Uh, they pulled off a three-team trade where Laurie Marketing was sent to the Cleveland Cavaliers, Larry Nance Jr., yeah, I- my initial thoughts on that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to put that in there. Oh man. When they were able to pull off that trade uh with marketing getting out of here, that's I was like, whoa. I just had a flashback to, to Michael Jackson's thriller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Lori Marketer was sent to the Cavaliers. Larry Nance Jr. went to the Trailblazers. And the Bulls got a protected first-round draft pick, a second-round draft pick, as well as Derrick Jones Jr. For Lori Marketing. <laughs> For Lori Marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and <laughs> once again, I think this kind of speaks to the front office that we now have versus the front office that we used to have because Garpax would have dumped Laurie probably for like a second round pick. And they would have had to give up Laurie in like a first round pick just to get somebody to take him. Yes. I could totally see something like that happening. <laughs> like we would have wound up and somehow we would have gotten rid of Levine too. I you know we we would have had to part with a lot of uh assets to be able to get rid of marketing. Well, actually, you know what? Let's let's back up because the last regime would not have even admitted that having marketing on this team was a mistake. So we'd probably still be trying to secure marketing to play on this team. Like that's, that's really how bad Garpax was collectively <laughs> as a unit. Instead we have tourist corner service and he just gotten us two draft picks plus serviceable backup player in Derrick Jones. It's looking like the Bulls are about to be the new Lob City. <laughs> Why? Because we have, like, how many former, like, uh, slam dunk champions do we have on this team right now? I'm not sure Jones won a contest, but we have Zach. Derrick Jones Jr., who's an amazing dunker. Um, you've got Lonzo Ball, who's just going to be lobbing it to those two, uh, DeRozan, P-Wheel. It, it, it should be an exciting season. Yeah. Um, I was just 
you know, just for kicks and giggles, I was going down the list of people who were on this roster who are no longer here. Um, and it's a sad list, man. Like, <laughs> the fact that we had these people on the team, not just had them on the team, but were actually relying on them for viable minutes, it's just sad. Like, I'm looking at this list from – what was this? Was this just last year's list? I think so. I see Ryan Archidiakino, Wendell Carter. No, it wasn't from last year. This was a couple of years ago. Chris Dunn, Cristiano Felicio, Daniel Gafford, Shaquille Harrison, Chandler Hutchinson, Luke Cornett. We had Zach, Lori, Adam Makoka, Otto Porter, Thomas Sadaransky, Max Struss, Denzel Valentine, Kobe White, and Thad Young. Now, out of that list, I would say there were maybe three guys that you could count on for some solid minutes. And consistently, like putting, like just being being available to play and actually having an impact on the team. And I was thinking to myself, I count Zach, I count Kobe, and I count Thad. So yeah. you're like, out of all of those people listed, those are the ones that we could count on. But yet, and still, those other people were still on our team, and we were relying on them to actually not just help us, like. But like evaluating whether or not these people were part of the core going forward. Man, that is sad. <laughs> like the amount of work that this new with Arturis and Eversley, and I forget the uh, the guy who's in charge of their um their cap. JJ What's Polk. It? Yeah, Polk. The amount of work that they did turning over this roster is just incredible. Um, yeah, like I, I never would have thought that they would be able to get out from under some of the names of the people that are on this list, but somehow magically they did it. And I don't know what kind of wizardry that the, that, that particular front office was able to do in getting someone to give us a first round pick for Laurie. Like, I, I don't know how they were, and not just the first round, like, and, and a guy who can provide some quality depth along the wing as far as defensively. Now, offensively, uh, Jones is, is you know, leaves a lot to be desired, but defensively, you can't deny a guy who's six foot six and has a seven foot wingspan, their ability to have an impact on defense, you know, that's going to be something that we could look forward to. Um, next year especially since we were we were still looking for names to add along the perimeter in order for people who can put pressure um on other um players from a defensive standpoint but yeah how they were able to get what they got for laurie is just pretty telling um what, what are your thoughts on that i mean i i, I was I couldn't believe that we got a, not only a first, but a second round pick as well as getting uh, Derek Jones Jr. 
like you said, uh, on the defensive end, I know he's going to be somebody that's going to put pressure on the wing or on the opposing teams. Um, if he can develop a jumper, he'd be a pretty decent all-around player, but I think he'll be all right um, with Lonzo or uh, Caruso out there finding him cutting. Uh, I think he'll, you know, he, he's, we're not asking him to put up uh, 15 points a game, so I think he'll fill the role that we need him to fill perfectly, and What's, what's even better now is um, that first-round pick is protected 1 through 14. And Shams just reported that the Trailblazers are focused on building around Damian Lillard and aren't planning on trading him away, which is good for us because that helps Portland's chances of making the playoffs and that pick conveying to us the next year and we having two first-round picks. So, so basically, the Bulls were able to sell two separate teams on hope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because Portland, you know, let's face it, they don't have the, the weapons that they need to be a viable contender in the West. And um, Cleveland bought into the fact that Laurie can develop into something greater than what he so, yeah, they were able to like how they were able to sprinkle that hope uh, uh, pattern or sprinkle or what do, what do you call those? Um, I hate those sparkly things that kids really like <laughs> dust. What do you call that? Dust. Pixie it's, dust? Yeah, pixie dust. They were able to <laughs> sprinkle that on Lori Mark or on those two teams and provide hope to those teams and help have those teams manifest the fact that they think that they're going to be viable players moving forward. I don't know how they were able to do that because it's not like there was a growing market for Lori. It's like no one was interested in signing him to, um, it was a restricted free agent. So nobody was interested in signing him that way. Um, aside from, I, I think, what, the Pelicans maybe might have been interested? Uh, I think it was supposedly interest from the Pelicans and Boston. I think some other team. Yeah, it was like supposed interest. So, yeah, like the the fact that they were able to drum up anything that they could get for Lori, like what they got from Lori, in my opinion, is just amazing. Um, I don't know how they were able to pull that off. Um, so I get basically you, they looked at this, they were able to survey the, the landscape and see like who is desperate to stay within the possibility of still being a playoff team and who is desperate enough to think that they can make the jump from not being in the playoffs this year and moving into a playoff contention. So Kudos to to this front office for making something happen um, with this situation, and for a guy that clearly said that he didn't want to be here. Yeah. Like the very fact that they could do that, having someone on the team in the roster who had plans of not being on the roster is just amazing in itself. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, um, the the Trailblazers offered. 
Derek Jones Jr. in a first-round pick for Laurie. AK said, no, we want another pick. And that's when Cleveland was brought in. <laughs> and Portland didn't even get the guy they were trying to trade for. They got Larry Nance Jr. instead of Laurie. And Laurie goes to Cleveland, and I have no idea why they wanted him. They have Kevin Love. Love says he's not interested in a buyout. So I, I don't know what they're doing. Well, I mean, on two fronts, uh, first of all, um, yeah, I don't know what they're doing either because <laughs> if, like, Kevin Love's, what, 32, 33 years old? Yeah, he's up there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so he's that he's up there, and he showed out for the Olympics out of shape and injured. <laughs> and yet and still, if Kevin Love is healthy, who's the better player? Kevin Love or Laurie Markman? I uh, kind of want to say Kevin Love there. <laughs> yeah. So you still have that guy. Who, Average, I, although he, he was only he only played twenty five um, games, more, more rebounds than Laurie. I think Laurie was averaging like five rebounds per game. Love, Love is still like sitting there at seven rebounds per game. Um, so. It's not like Kevin Love like has just forgotten how to play. You know he knows how to play. The guys won a championship. Right. So the fact that you have that kind of player on your team, and not only are you going to have to pay that guy, but you added Lori Markin for more money. Like I have no idea what is going on with the direction of that team. And you drafted Mobley. <laughs> Yeah, who plays the same position as Lori, right? <laughs> so your fir- your first it would be like it would be different if, if if Mobley was taken like in the second round. Who's your first round draft pick? Third pick overall. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot third overall. Yeah, so you have to play him to that guy. I is this like a better situation for Lori? Because I know he got his money. But, like, is that really the situation that he wants to be in? Because I've honestly never heard of anybody say saying that they're going to re- rehabilitate their 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 play in Cleveland. <laughs> like that I've never heard an NBA caliber player say that before, even when LeBron James was on that team. I didn't hear a whole bunch of people saying, "Oh, hey, you know how to really repair my image?" Send me to Cleveland, and that's where I'm going to be able to really show people what it is that I'm made of. I mean, what's so great about Cleveland? I've never heard anybody say they want to go on vacation <laughs> to Cleveland. Yeah, it's not like we haven't heard that before. <laughs> oh, and you, the, the funny thing is also, like, um, like we – I look at like a lot of people in the media who were talking about Lori and they were like, oh, you know, he was such a professional. Um, He was a nice guy. And in sports, we know what happens to nice guys like you get eaten up in sports. Like sports is not about finding the nice guy. Sports is about finding that guy who is just going to annihilate whoever against him on a nightly basis and 
you got to give it to Chicago. They treated Lori like a nice guy. They found <laughs> a solid contract for him, and they were so unconcerned about Lori that they traded him to a team that's in their division. <laughs> that's how unworried they were that Lori was going to turn into something special. I think that that's pretty telling that yeah. they would, yeah, just, hey, hey, you want to go to Cleveland? Fine. Well, how many times are they going to see him <laughs> throughout like, the year? Four, three, four? Yeah. One, one of those two. It doesn't matter. We're not really that worried. Go have a nice career in Cleveland. So, you know, I, I wish Lori well, but I don't think that that's a great situation for him to be in. I'm all for guys getting their money, but I thought that, because I, I do think that Lori does have some value despite what people think. I think that if he were to be able to stay on that this Bulls team and provide some like quality depth at the power forward position um, and be a part of a team that's on the rise, I thought that that would have been better for him like moving forward within like a year or two to be like, okay, you established yourself. You showed that you are an integral part of a, a playoff team, which uh, despite what people are saying, this Bulls squad on paper is a playoff team. But I, I thought that him being a part of this team for at least another year with the way it's presently constituted would have helped him a lot more than just taking the money and going to Cleveland. But, um, you know, wishing the best, but I'm glad he's out of here. Yeah. Um, we we had a lot of nice guys on the team last year. Yeah. And they're gone. <laughs> the, there are only two players remaining from the Garpex days, and that's Zach and Kobe. Mm-hmm. And, and that right there is telling that you kept the two best players that you get from that regime. And then you bring in a whole new team. And, you know. And, and it, it wasn't like they knew that Levine was going to turn into what it is that he's turned into. Um, I thought that they might have thought, okay, he's a guy who is a scorer. So maybe he'll be able to eventually average a certain amount of points per game for this team. Him turning into an Olympian. I don't think that that was on the radar of anybody. No. So they just kind of like lucked into that one <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, Cause I, as far as I remember, it was like, Oh, Hey, we got that seventh pick and we got Chris Dunn who we had targeted before in the draft. And I think Levine was pretty much a throw in. Yeah. Cause he was still out with the ACL tier. Yeah. So you know, kudos to this staff for being able to write this ship because I'm thinking back to those names that I'm listed and I'm like, man, we actually were running a podcast <laughs> with the likes of those people on our team. Like, that's pretty sad. <laughs> that's pretty sad. And yet we were able to keep it going. But like, I just imagine like, the broadcasters who were there during that time period, man, that's, that was difficult. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> looks like the dark days are over. <laughs> it only took uh, AK and Eversley, what, uh, 
for their first full off season to basically tr- completely turn this team around. Yeah. And and to get guys who weren't on anybody's radar as far as um you know anybody being like okay yeah the Bulls are definitely in on this guy. Everybody was saying how the Bulls would have some interest in um Lonzo but no one saw the whole entire thing with uh, DeMar DeRozan being added to this list. I don't think anybody saw that. Alex Caruso. So when you think about like the point guards that we had in the past versus what we had now, and we were still able to hold on to Kobe White, that's a, a remarkable shakeup right there. Just um, I don't know why so many people were down on adding DeMar DeRozan. Um, because at the end of the day, you need somebody who is capable of creating their own or creating a shot for other people um, when it comes to actually being successful in the playoffs. Like the, the Bulls are just able to, to just fill up, not just fill up holes, but to keep those holes from bursting open again. Like they didn't just put like, you know, some duct tape there. They really got some actual dudes. Yeah, I, I don't understand the whole being down on DeRozan uh, thing either. I mean, he's a mid-range master. He gives you, what, 20, 22 points a night. Uh, get his own shot. I think he was pretty much at the top of the list last year at passing, leading to assists. He can he can set you up. He he can make sure that you get a bucket. Um, yeah, how many assists did he average last year? I think it was like six or seven. It was about yeah, it was like six point five, I think. So I'm thinking, imagine that him doing that. On, which like who, who else can you name off of that Spurs team? Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I have nobody um, for you. So you think about, like, the pieces that he's going to be around right now. Just having to be able to pass the ball to Zach and being able to get the ball in the post to Vooch, that's an upgrade over anything that he's seen within the past two years with him being in San Antonio. And now you put Lonzo around there. You put Caruso, who I think is a lot better and can offer more than what people really understand as far as his shot making and as far as, um, you know, his ability to, to also run the offense when need be. And also we're going to be getting Kobe back in like late November. So, you know, he actually has viable NBA talent that he's going to be able to not just pick his own spots with, but actually be able to set guys up for success as well. I love the pieces that they put together. Yeah, and, you know, the uh, Rosen and Vooch were teammates in college. So they already have that connection and know how to play with each other. Um, they went to um, – uh, Yeah. And then Zach also went to UCLA, right? But it was, like, totally different years. Yeah. Um, what uh, – and then he, the Rose has already spoken about, you know, mentoring P. Will. Yeah. So it's like it's, I could not understand people saying 
being down on DeRozan signing or saying that we saying we gave up too much for him. We gave up Thad Young and what a first round pick, um, which we got back <laughs> by trading Laurie. So kind of evens out. Yeah, so like I'm I'm thinking about the moves that they made, and then I was like looking to see what the um like you know Vegas comes out and they like list the teams who are like the team wins what who they how many wins they expect for each team to have they pulled the Bulls I think it was like thirty eight and a half wins I don't know how you get a half <laughs> uh, like to me like I don't know how they set that up. But take I was, the over. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those you take the over. Like, how many like, guys who have had success in the NBA, even won championships? The Bulls did that. So I don't, I don't know what it is that they're seeing about this team they don't like. Um, I think that there's like if you want to look at the power forward position. You know, it's going to be new with uh, P. Will manning that power um, for an entire year. But I think if they go back and they're at, able to add another veteran presence, like with, like let's say, a Paul Millsap, um, I think that that would solidify that position as well. But I don't know how you can you can look down on what this team has to offer, um, one through five. Like, all of them are actual – capable guys who would be starters on good teams as well. Yeah, and a lot of uh, people last year were calling for um, P-Will to start the power forward. And, well, now they got their wish. And, like you said, Paul Millsap, um, the report came out earlier that the Bulls are interested in Millsap. And I think we can sign him uh, with our traded player exception. From the Tice trade, and that would give him like five point one mil a year. Um, three years is required. And no people are like, uh, how old is Paul Millsap to sign for three years? But you could structure it with first year being guaranteed, second year being partial, and then no guarantee on the third. So, you know, that's that out. Yeah. And I, I like that, like, with these contracts that they've signed, it's not like they've signed anybody to, like, these mega long contracts. Like, um, Rosen will be off the books. Or, you know, he might be off the books and they're trying to find somebody else. Who knows? But, like, the way he's stacked up these, these pieces that he's added, it does in, like, a year or two's time. So it's like he's made moves to make them an actual playoff contender, but also with the sight of, hey, I can get out from underneath these moves if I if push comes to shove. So they have flexibility moving forward. I don't know, like anybody who's looking at the list of teams who made the playoff last year, I think that that's going to be something that's kind of jumbled up because I don't see New York – being a playoff team next year. <laughs> um, this Bulls team has caught up to like, they're, they're not like necessarily on the level of like 
either a Philadelphia or a Milwaukee. But if you were to ask me, have they upgraded to the point of being close to Atlanta? I think they have. I don't know about Philly. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do with Ben Simmons. That's true. That is true. But, yeah, looking at this, the way this this team is presently constructed, like, I don't know how you look at this team and say they're not a playoff caliber team. Yeah, I, I don't understand that either. I don't understand these people that are giving these grades and they gave the Bulls like a B minus. And I think they gave like Atlanta an A minus. And I'm like, what did Atlanta even do? Yeah, like they re signed Collins. But yeah, what did they do? Because at some point, they're even as that team is put together, they're going to have to get rid of some of those guys because some of those guys are going to be up, you know, looking for contracts themselves. Like I think Cam Reddish, he's going to be coming out from underneath that rookie deal. They still have Hunter there. And I think with Hunter's situation, they're going to have to pay for him. So it's not like they're going to be able to keep all of those guys moving forward. Right. <laughs> and I've seen another one where, you know, they gave the Hornets a better grade than this. I'm like, really? really? <laughs> yeah, that's my exact thought. Really? Because they signed uh, Kelly Oubre and... Some other guy. Okay, if you're like leading with we signed Kelly Oubre, there's <laughs> no way that you can be looking at a positive offseason. Because you think about, okay, whomever they sign, no matter what, they're still going to be, I forget the name of their, their, smart, their small forward. Um, what is his name? They signed him in free agency. He played for Boston. Uh, um, Rosier? No, no, is a small forward. Got injured in Boston. He came over from Utah before he came to Boston. Um, I can't think of his name right now. I, I, I see his face, but I can't think of his name. But he's one of those guys who, yeah, he puts up some good numbers when he's on the court. Oh, uh, Hayward. Yeah, Gordon Hayward. Puts up good numbers when he's on the court. The problem is he's rarely on the court for an extended period of time. So, yeah, I'm looking at them, and I'm like, yeah, the Bulls are – like the guys that they have, first of all, the guys that they had are relatively healthy, the ones that they signed. Second of all, with the moves that they made, I think that they've jumped over a good amount of teams. I'll even say Boston. Boston was a playoff team last year. Boston didn't do anything to upgrade that team. Yeah. Um, outside of Tatum and Brown, uh, they really don't have anybody. No. And plus, they're getting a a coach who's going to be in his first year of coaching. Like, but I, I don't see that. Miami, they were able to add Lowry, but Lowry is like 35 years old. Yeah. And you, you add that with Jimmy, who, you know, I'm still getting I, up there. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's getting up there and he's starting to break down too. Like I'm seeing like small parts of his game that are starting to like kind of come down. He really dropped off like as far as his three-point percentage. Yeah. Uh, he was never like a great three-point shooter, but like it just fell off a cliff last year. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. So I'm like, who else has made any like real moves to like make themselves that much better than what you see on this board? I don't I think, think people are really taking into account what it is that they've added to the team. I, I don't understand it. These these so called NBA experts and, and the thing is, their reasoning is, I just don't see it. That's not an argument. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard the same exact thing. Like, ask them to go in-depth with what move, what don't you like about the moves. And it's like, well, it, it's just beating around the bush, not really coming up with anything in-depth. And just like, hey, you know, they have these guys. I, you know what I think it is? They're basing it off of the list of guys that I just went over at the beginning of our show. Those <laughs> guys are not on the team anymore. Like, you're not trying to see if the guys on your team are actual NBA talent players. Like, you have legitimate NBA players. Some guys who were stars on their teams before. And some guys who were on that verge, possibly, of becoming a star. I don't see how you can look at what they've done and just not come away impressed and say, hey, this is a team that's ready to make some kind of noise in the playoffs. I just I don't see what it is that they see from this team. And I like the fact with uh, Donovan, you know, as as much as we like not. As much as I looked at Donovan and I wasn't overly impressed with him being brought in as a coach, I will say that defensively, this team has gotten much better. I think they finished like what, 12th in defensive rating? Yeah. So you add guys who not just are better defensively, but have high IQ. a high basketball IQ to them, I think that's going to go over a long way. Like, we're not going to be seeing a bunch of guys who are fouling three-point shooters. You know, like, it's just simple things like that. Able to help this team move forward and actually play, you know, like, inspired basketball. I've looked at this this Bulls team before, and it was – they didn't do well against teams that had a higher basketball IQ or they couldn't match the athleticism of other uh, NBA teams. Like, they just would just get run. The Bulls have added athleticism to their team. They've added guys who are capable of actually running an offense uh, or being able to execute plays defensively. So I'm happy with what I've seen. Yeah, I think before the uh, the Vooch trade, it was it was pretty much Zach and Kobe taking turns, and everybody else just watching. 
and you're you were waiting for like Laurie to jump in there, and of course he just did nothing. <laughs> he stood outside and waited to see if somebody would pass him the ball and he would jack up a three. Now we have actual options where now we have Lonzo Ball who can he he can find these guys. He can find Zach, he can find um Vooch, DeRozan, P. Will. Um, can find Derek Jones Jr. cutting, find Kobe in the corner. Like, and Kobe gets to go back to his natural position of being a shooting guard. Yes. Can run and can run a fast break. That I mean, how many times in the past three years were we just like, like it was like we were gonna be on shacked and a fool as far as being able to run a fast break. Denzel Valentine is no longer making any type of plays for this team. <laughs> like let's let's like really think about that. Denzel Valentine is no longer going to be in charge of running plays. And sadly enough, Denzel was like one of our best passers. That's how bad this team was from a talent perspective. And we don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, the the underrated thing here is we don't have to worry about Denzel or Felicio anymore. Yes. <laughs> so, like, you have guys who are able to run simple plays as far as pick and roll. Even the um, the rookie that they got in the very good, solid pick and roll player, it, and I think he. During the uh, summer league, um, I think he got caught up in in trying to do too much and trying to find. They really started to get into the pick and roll uh, with him, and um, oh, I forgot the uh, the other guy that they brought over, <laughs> Samanovic. Yeah, so you saw those guys being able to feed off of each other, and I think that he also is going to be a a very good, um, not. I think he's going to be a solid player for this team. Uh, moving forward because he knows how to play without the ball in his hands. He can make moves as far as helping other guys and making plays for other guys. I'm just excited about the the basketball IQ that they've added to this team. And it'll be interesting to see who they get to fill the roster. Um, and said they have interest in Neil Sapp. Um, they've also like touched base with you know minimum salary candidates like Noah Vanola, Patrick Patterson, uh, Mike Scott. DeAndre Jordan is about to get bored out from Brooklyn. Oh, really? Like, yeah, that'd be a name worth uh, monitoring because if they can add him to like be a backup to, to Booch, that's pretty big. <laughs> this, we then we're the real new Lob City. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like the pieces that they. It's not just oh, um, the front office got some pieces and they're just throwing them together. They're bringing over guys who actually work with what they have in the roster. And I think a key thing that you brought up earlier was allowing Kobe to no longer worry about trying to find his way. Of being a point guard on this team, 
Uh, he's not a point guard. He's more of a combo guard, and he's more of a scoring guard than anything else. Just allowing him to do what it is he does, which is just come in um, and not just be a spot-up shooter, but a guy who can get into the paint, um, you know, rely on his athleticism and not make him think too much. Um, I think that the game is really going to slow down for him. So adding Lonzo with him, is, I, I think that's really going to help his game take the next level that it needs to take. And I, I love the depth that we have on this team. Like, I'm not so much worried that if, you know, Zach misses any time for an extended period of, of time, that it's just going to completely derail the season, you know. So, and, and like also looking at what um, P. Will, as far as his development, I think people are like, you know, they're like, oh, like, well, what has he really done? Like, just consider the fact that he's still only 20 years old. Or has he even turned 20? Yeah, he, he just turned 20. Yeah, he just turned 20 years old. So this is a kid who should be maybe in his second year in college, just maybe, but has never been, like, really – um, a focal point of his team from an offensive standpoint. Um, I think allowing him to grow and to like see what it is that he's capable of, that's going to be something that's exciting. I don't know. To me, he looked like he like grew an inch. I don't know if that was like you saw that. Yeah, uh, that was reported. He, he grew an inch. Yeah, so it's we talent on this team, which is something that we just have not said. And God knows how long, um, aside from, like, having Levine. Uh, and, like, I, I like Kobe, but, I mean, realistically, we only have one guy who is just a scoring option out there for, like, a good amount of years. It was just Levine. Now you throw in Booch and all of these other uh, assets as well, and allow the the one other guy who was on this team previously to do what it is that he's more comfortable doing. I'd be excited with what they've done. Then you want to play defense. Yeah, I mean, that was one of our problems. I mean, we could score because we had Zach, but then it's like we can stop the other team from scoring. And that's yeah. how we would lose games. Now we got guys that take pride in doing the dirty things and defending their man. Uh, Caruso and Jones Jr. Uh, we brought back Troy Brown Jr. Lonzo's a good defensive player. Zach's starting to become a better defensive player. I mean, he was locking people up in the Olympics. Yeah. Which I, I think that, like, people saying that he was, like, this really bad defensive player, I think that that's, like, really overstated because I don't think that he was ever a bad man-on-man man defensive player. I think, like, when it came to, like, any time, like, he was um, getting crossed up, like, having to actually, like, move and keep track of his man or whenever they were, like like, you know, just cross matches that were going on, I think that he would get confused or just lose focus, but he's never been like a a terrible um, man-on-man defensive player. It's just with the other aspects of, of the game on that side of the ball, 
He just I don't I don't know if he was putting as much concentration into it as he was in years past. But as you mentioned with the Olympics, like he was like one of the only players who was playing defense on that Olympic squad. Yep. And doing very well with it. um, Half court. And when he got switches, you know, not backing down from those switches, there was a couple of times that he was being matched up against like centers and he wasn't backing down and wasn't giving way to a guy who was outweighing him by more than 40, 50 pounds. Yeah, man. I, I, all I can say is I can not wait to the start of preseason, which is October 5th, and we play Laurie Marketing and the Cavaliers. Okay, let's be honest. At no point in Laurie's career is it ever going to be him and the team <laughs> that he's representing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you want to call it? Um, Garland's Cavaliers or Kevin Love's Cavaliers? I mean, it's not a lot of good options to pick from. There really aren't. <laughs> I, and I, you know, again, I wish the best for Laurie, but do you see him getting that many better shots at. Because, like, I don't think it was not a, a matter of him not getting shots up for the Bulls. It's just not knowing what to do to make shooting more successful. Like, to me, like, and I know, like, people are saying, like, oh, well, Lori's game isn't posting up. And it might not be posting up, but good. You see that there is a guy who is guarding you and you have, like, more than seven inches on him. You might want to post him up. Maybe not shoot fadeaways. Yeah. Is Laurie is a seven-foot shooting guard that doesn't have shooting guard skills. Yeah. <laughs> he can't put the ball on the court to get his own shot. Um, he can't create shot opportunities for others. Like, did he even average an assist per game last year? I was... Looking over his numbers like last night, but I, I forgot to look at his assist numbers, but I don't think he was ever one of those guys who was, you know, out there making plays for others. No. <laughs> I remember one game where it was like he had maybe 30 points and one assist. Yeah. I think that was kind of like the norm for him. Um, let me see. He, yeah, he did not average an assist. He averaged zero point nine assist. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not good. Um, so, like, it, it's funny. Like, I don't think that anybody else has ever lived off of having a good month in their career. But that's wait, what Lori essentially <laughs> had. Like. He's been living off of that good month in February of, like, yesteryear. Like, I don't even know what year that was. It was, like, 2017 or 18. Yeah, I'm looking at this, and this is crazy. 2017, he averaged 1.2 assists. 2018 was 1.4. 2019 is 1.5. Last year, 0.9. He averaged 1.2 assists for his career. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
play. That that doesn't do anything for me. That's crazy. And again, I don't, I don't like. I don't. I just don't see how Lori is an upgrade for what they have already. What they already have on that. In Cleveland, I just. You know, I know he's going to be able to play with some good defensive players um, with Jared Allen. And, um, but they have, they have uh, that Okoro kid, right? Yeah. Then that's what he needs. He needs some good defensive players around to kind of hide him. But yeah, but see, that's the thing. Like when you have a starter who you have to. Defensively. Usually you accept him being on that starting team if he's doing something exceptionally well. So, like, what is it that Lori does exceptionally well? Because even with the numbers that he put up last year, if you look at his career numbers, as like, you know, he's like, what, a 43% field goal shooter? And I think he's less than 30 from three, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I think he put up like 40% from three last year. And I think that's what AK probably sold, <laughs> sold him on is that he's shooting 40% from three and he's a seven footer. Yeah, there, there's that hope. <laughs> that pixie does hope. Yeah, he, he shot 40.2% from three last year. And I find that astonishing because I don't remember. Any of his games where I was like, man, Lori is really cooking. I, I don't remember that. I don't either. Um, he shot 48% from the field as a whole. Yeah, see, okay, so that means that you're shooting more three-pointers than two-pointers. Or no, no, like you're more successful just shooting through. So that's kind of a weird stat to me. Like you're shooting 40% from three. Usually, like, your other field goal percentage is going to be much higher from just scoring, like, you know, tip-ins or dunks. But I don't, I don't recall Lori having that many great games or just looking back and saying, oh, man, Lori was really, like, lighting it up from long range. I just – I don't – Yeah, he, he averaged five. Point eight three point attempts a game, and he made two point three usually. So five point eight, you said? Yeah, he, he shot five point eight threes a game and made two point three. How many total shot attempts was he taking? Um, I, I that's that. All I can tell you is he averaged thirteen point six points a game. <laughs> Because if he's taking like five, I can't, I can't believe that he was taking <laughs> 10, 11 shots. Yeah, he, he, he took what, five? He's taking five, six threes a game. You're making maybe two or three, and you're averaging 13 points, 13.6 points. Yeah, that's. Those aren't great numbers. Man, when, when I'm looking at these guys in the NBA who got, like, jilted as far as, like, uh, money that was passed around this year, like, um, 
what's his name? Um, that point guard who didn't make <laughs> contact. Yeah, Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> I think Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn is like playing for like close to like I think like five million this year. There's no way way these guys aren't thinking. I'm better than Lori Marketing. How did Lori Marketing get close to fifteen? Like Schroeder should fire his agent. Yeah, immediately. He should have took that extension. I don't understand how you turn down an eighty-four million dollar extension and you wind up signing a one-year deal for five point nine million. Well, that's where you have to have a like a real understanding of knowing what your value is around the league. Now, I don't know how Lori like was able to calculate that. Not only was he a starter, he was worth <laughs> the amount of money that he's getting. I don't know how that happened. But then again, we did offer Felicio a whole bunch of money to be in Chicago <laughs> when nobody else was offering him any money. Like, I just, I don't, man. A true Garpax move. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. They signed oh. the very first second of free agency. Nobody wanted Felicio. I think they kind of thought it was going to be like another Omer Sheik situation. But if they looked at that, Sheik didn't pan out either. No. I mean, he's not even in the league anymore. Like, even old school NBA, like, Oshik was just just a big guy. That's it. Like, there there wasn't any type of, like, real death. I don't remember him being, like, a oh-so-great-of-a-rebounder. He would block some shots occasionally, but he couldn't score for anything. Um, Yeah, just some really bad signings from that last front office. It's just terrible. Glad they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> As I suspect everybody is. Uh, we, we've come a long way. <laughs> From San Felicio to four years at the very start of free agency. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of like my first year of teaching, like I didn't think that I was going to make it. I lost like 20 pounds. Um, and I just had a, a, just a terrible bunch of kids. Like it was like the worst group of kids that you could ever give a first year teacher. And I'm sitting back in this classroom now. Um, and like, I have so many, like even my low kids are capable of being high kids. It's like that kind of situation that I have here. And it's like light years from what I had. Getting years of being a teacher. And I, I think back to those days and it's like, I barely remember that time period because it's almost like it didn't happen. Um, I'm hoping that this will be like that for the bulls. Like I hope this this path that we're on it'll be like that didn't really happen where we had Chris Dunn as our starting <laughs> point guard like though that didn't really exist or or we didn't really think that Cam 
um, was going to be the next coming of Derek Rose. You know, we, we, we didn't really think that we'd be able to rely on Otto Porter moving forward, or we didn't really think that Wendell Carter was a starting caliber center who was, you know, just going to explode on the scene. Like those are going to be just thoughts that we have in the back of our mind. Like, remember when? I, hope- I don't think anybody ever had the thought of Cam pain being the second coming of D Rose. <laughs> I don't think anybody ever had that thought. Well it's it's almost like the way the 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 front office was pump pumping them up. It was like, okay, we found our point guard of the future. Well if we're coming off of Derek Rose and you're telling me that this guy is the he's the point guard of the future and then you realize, oh hey, he can't dribble going right. Like that's <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Like, how do you know? Uh, dribble going right. When they're a left-handed, you brought him in as the point guard of the future. You work the guy out, and he gets into training camp. It's like, oh, he can't dribble going right. Like, that's the kind of incompetence that we're no longer going to be dealing with. Detroit's camp uh, with his leg in a scooter. That I don't recall. It was media day, and he like rode in with the little scooter thing because let you rest your one of your legs on. Not no, I don't remember that at all. I mean, yeah. thank goodness I don't. <laughs> oh, you you. <laughs> he that's how he showed up to uh, media day. Yeah, I, I I knew it was. I never liked that signing from the first place because all I ever saw him do was dance with Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma. Yeah, um, and it, it they it was some guy. I don't even remember the guy's name, um, but he just looked like he didn't know what he was doing there on the team at media day, and then there was another player where the back of his jersey. Like, they didn't even put his name on the jersey. Are you serious? Yeah, he had no number, no jersey on the back. It was just blank. Yeah, see, we're that, not... That, this is, that was like an infamous media day, so I'm... I don't... Maybe you blocked it out because I might it's have. so bad. There are so many things that... ...in the past four years. Actually, more than that. Just, you know... <laughs> Because I'm like I, I I even look at the like like the the signing of or drafting of, of Denzel Valentine and I'm like he was so unathletic in college like watch him play in Michigan State and yes he won Player of the Year but good grief he had difficulty getting his shot off versus guys who were more athletic than him guys who weren't even college level players like i'm pretty sure there's video out there of denzel being like clowned on a basketball court that had no type of like actual nba talent on the team i i'm pretty sure evidence of that just guys walking on the street who were able to just clown denzel on a basketball court just take the ball away from him easily and 
you know, like it it just seems like even though he's not on the team just now this year, it just seems like such a lifetime ago that we had these caliber players on our team. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> Denzel definitely got cooked by somebody in Drew League. <laughs> I think they said he, he was like a retail store worker or something. Yeah, so it wasn't just me. Like, I know I saw that video and it was circulating around yeah. the internet. I, I found found the media day pictures someone's talking about and I sent them to you. So, yeah. that Like, we're, we're, we're no longer, like... What what was that line out of um, out of um, what's love got to to deal do with it? <laughs> so yeah, we're not we're not smoking whatever it is that we were smoking before. Like it's stuff makes sense now. Yeah. It just makes sense. And I'll be the first person to say I wasn't that big of a fan of them getting Lonzo Ball. But he's an actual point guard in the league. Like, he he belongs on an NBA team. He can run an off. So, you know, it makes sense that you would, if you're struggling with finding a point guard who can run an offense, hey, look around the league and see who you can find or draft that player onto your team. Don't try to make somebody who is not really a point guard and a point guard and say, Hey, this is our plan moving forward. We're just going to roll with it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't have to deal with those kind of decisions anymore. It's like, yeah, we, we, we draft this young kid. He's 19. Um, you know, he's more of a combo guard, but we're going to have him play point guard. Go out there and be point guard. Yeah. The arguably the can <laughs> be you barely did it in college, but we think that that's that's a solid move going forward. Like, no, that's. <laughs> I have this this like belief system that if you say things out loud to yourself, if it doesn't, if it doesn't, out loud, then chances are it's not something that you should be doing. <laughs> like. I'm going to ride around without my seatbelt on on the highway. You know what? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> so maybe that's what they're just employing with this new front office. They're just saying it out loud. I'm going to give Lori Markin $20 million a year. Oh, wait. That doesn't make any sense. So we're not going to do that. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. But hey, Laurie got his money. It wasn't with us, so not concerned about it. No, not at all. And until you brought him up at the start of the show, I completely forgot that he was on the team. <laughs> once once I moved past somebody, it's like they never existed. <laughs> um, and I feel bad because sometimes like I'll have students who come up to me and they'll say, hey, Mr. Butler, you know, no, once I'm done teaching them, it's like I've moved on to the next group of kids that I have. I have to like kind of kind of be like that because 
you know, I'm teaching like multiple, like two blocks of kids. And it's even worse in middle school and high school. So it's like, you got to move on. I try to like, like retain like contact with them. And I've gotten better with that in the next, in the past two years. But yeah, once you are off of the, the farm, it's like you, you, you're done. And Lori is gone. He's somebody else's issue to deal with. Yep. <laughs> I mean, can't hope for anything better than that. Like I said, we got a serviceable player, first round pick and a second round pick for a guy who was not in the our plans to be in the future of this team and who came out publicly and said he wanted to play somewhere else. Yeah. So when your nicknames are better than your actual talent, like you shouldn't be on the team. Like the finisher, does that even make any sense looking at Lori now? Looking back on his career, the finisher. Uh, No. (laughs) No. Certainly not finishing around the basket. So... I think I called him the Finnish phenom. No, that doesn't make any sense either. He had that one dunk on Porzingis. And then every yes. other time that he tried to do that to other players, it never went in. No, never so, went well. So he really wasn't the finisher. No. Nope. I had such high hopes for Lori. <laughs> And I think that's why I hold things against him because I thought that he was capable of doing more. And, you know, it's funny. He had the very good first year. The next year we were all excited about what he was doing in like the Euro league. You know, we saw this aggressive guy who was just putting his stamp on his team and carrying his team on his back. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, um, some say it was playing for Boylan. <laughs> I mean, that could, that could, that could kind of mess you up playing for Jim Boylan as your head coach. For a year, right? Was it? Then they fire Hoiberg, and he took over, and then he had that full season. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. But wait, you can't even count that because Lori was injured. So it's not like he had a full year with Boylan. I mean, I blame Boylan for, like, you know, (laughs) pandemic. But in in all reality, like, he wasn't there for all of that. (laughs) Wait, did you just blame Jim Boylan for the pandemic? (laughs) Lori wasn't around for everything related to Jim Boylan. So, you know, in retrospect, there's no way that you can put all of those warts, like attribute them to just Boylan. Like there was something else that happened in his career where he's like, you know what? I can just be out here along the perimeter and I'm cool with it. <laughs> Did you really just blame Jim <laughs> Boylan for the pandemic? 
Well, it was happening at that. <laughs> and I remember us all sitting around as teachers. I remember this thought coming around. Like when it first started, and there was all of this mess that was going on with everything that was happening around us. And I will admit that my first thoughts were, you know, somehow, some way, Boylan is responsible for <laughs> some of this. Like, that's how. Not the man, the, the coach, because I don't know him as a man. I was like, oh, gosh. And, ladies and gentlemen, we just solved the mystery of how coronavirus started. It was all Jim Bullen's fault. It wasn't a lab in China. <laughs> you just had to go to the Bulls games and watch that man with his ridiculous demeanor, crazy smirk that he always had, <laughs> and his boilinism. <laughs> he, he concocted this virus <laughs> to infect NBA players on the other team so he had a chance to coach a winnable team. And it just backfired and affected everybody. <laughs> I feel terrible for some. I, I mean, that kind of sounds like some Jim Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. But yet again, we don't have to think about him anymore. Right. It's, I don't even. It, he was like a consultant for like. What was that? Uh, Portland, right? Um, I think so. Yeah. Terrible defensive team. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny that he's still able to infect other franchises. Like that. <laughs> I shouldn't have used that word "infect." There I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um. Don't. Yeah, the Bulls have cleared that infection up. <laughs> They're not trying to have a point guard masquerade as their starting small forward. Like, oh my god! Yeah, that don't, don't bring that up. <laughs> I completely had wiped that from my mind. But <laughs> now, yeah, Chris Dunn was the damn small forward. <laughs> I mean, what sense does that make? <laughs> Chris Dunn is six foot four. He's gonna be your starting small forward. Say that out loud. Does that make any sense? No. Oh goodness. <laughs> oh uh, man. <laughs> we'll wrap this up here. <laughs> um, just if you give any final thoughts. <laughs> On to better days. The future looks bright in Chicago, and I think that um, everybody should be happy with the direction of this team moving forward. I definitely agree with you on that. Um, you want to tell people where they can follow you? Um, he said, what sports on Twitter? Hey, get me at Young Jordan. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Bull Nothing in the N-O-T-H-I-N. Uh, hopefully the next time we're talking to you, we're talking about the Bulls signing Paul Millsap. So we'll see how that plays out. 
Ed. Until then, go Bulls. Go Bulls. Tennis game over. The horn blows. <laughs>